his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Welcome back, everyone. My goodness, the bottom line here today, we have to talk about this because I know you've been hearing about how many businesses are looking for their employees to return to the office after Labor Day. How about that? (laughs) It's been planned for a while, and I've talked to many people about it, family members, friends, neighbors, that sort of thing. And the Minnesota Business Partnership is the heartbeat of Minnesota business, and they polled their members to see what their plans were. Well, Charlie Weaver is the executive director of the partnership and joins us right now to discuss what members are saying about going inside the office to work again. Welcome, Charlie Weaver. How are you? I'm doing great, Geraldine. You know, and I, I have to say, I think you should listen to what Susie Jones said last hour and sing more. <laughs> I do love it. I do love it. But they will definitely get me. <laughs> you owe money because you sang that song. So, But thank you so much, Charlie. Thank you. So I want to know a little bit about the Minnesota Business Partnership and how important that is to um, our economy here in Minnesota. Sure, Joe. And, you know, we are so blessed here to have so many Fortune 500 companies here. We are one of the, we have more Fortune 500 companies here per capita than almost anywhere else in the country. And you, you know all the companies, Geraldine. It's General Mills and Target and Best Buy and Medtronic and 3M and API and the Mayo Clinic and Schwann's and Hormel Foods and Anderson Windows. We go on and on. And they employ almost 500,000 people in this That's right. That's right. So, so, and those are really good paying jobs, and they have good benefits and all the things that matter to Minnesota. And they give almost 50% of all the charitable giving in Minnesota comes from those companies. So they are not just making profits, but I think all of us who live here in Minnesota expect they also give back to the community, and they really do. Well, Minnesotans overall give back. It's really quite remarkable. Our great state, it's just remarkable how giving we are from the corporations on down. So um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, As director of the partnership, what has been the biggest challenge for businesses during this difficult time? Well, I think when COVID started, the biggest challenge was um, figuring out what's appropriate and how to keep their employees safe, number one. That's, I think, the number one priority for all of them. And number two, how do they keep their customers safe? So, you know, as the ebb and flow of COVID and the, and the rules and regulations, and you know, there's a lot of confusion early on, I think that was the biggest challenge, just trying to figure out where's the truth, you know, follow the science, and what can we do to make sure that our employees are safe so we don't bring them back too early and put them at risk. But on the other hand, 
the culture of these companies is so important too, Jalen, that they, you know, being together really is important. Let's say 3M, for example. I mean, that's a very innovative company. They really they create things. They invent new things. And part of that happens because people are in a room together and they're talking to each other. So, you know, balancing the making sure that, that returning to the office was a safe place to be, but at the same time bringing people back who really want to be back, um, that was the, that's what they struggled with. And now with the new Delta variant, it's something they're struggling with again. You know, it's really quite remarkable how many people revisited this with me. You know, are we going back into the buildings, especially during COVID, especially, you know, trying to figure out the best date to do it, even after the George Floyd um, uh, protests and so much more. I'm amazed that people really thought that even downtown St. Paul or downtown Minneapolis would never come back again because there's been so many challenges um, this past year, 2020, and right into 2021. Were the businesses nervous? Did you have problems or did you, were you the guy that had to encourage them to stick and stay? No, absolutely. The you know public safety remains a big issue for our downtown companies, especially you know the the targets, the U.S. banks, the Wells Fargo's, Excel Energy, all the Minneapolis companies, and also Securian and Ecolab over in St. Paul. You know, if you, if your employees aren't safe walking back to their cars at night, or your customers aren't safe, or you're the person that goes to the theater right on Hennepin Avenue and then walks back to their ramp at eleven o'clock at night, if those people aren't safe. Uh, those companies aren't going to stick around downtown. So we've been very engaged in working with the mayor and working with, you know, both sides of the kind of political aisle on this. The people want to defund the police. We've been trying to convince them that that's a bad idea. At the same time, uh, the Minnesota Business Partnership and Geraldine back in 2019 really led the effort to promote changes to the way police officers are trained how they deal with the mental health issues, uh, how we deal with recruitment. So it's not an either-or issue on the issue of public safety. Uh, It's really we can both add the number of police that we need, but also make sure that those who are wearing those uniforms uh, are respectful and professional when they deal with the public. Okay, that should be number one as far as I'm concerned. So you brought up this whole subject about defunding the police. First of all, that's not what they're trying to do. I don't know why this language keeps sticking with all of us. Maybe a few of them mentioned it, but it's so much more than defunding. It's it's making sure we have citizens on the streets, you know, trying to make sure that we help protect our own as well. Not just the police, but all of us get involved in protecting one another, getting to know your neighbors more. There's so much more to this. And so as we watch and listen to a lot of the companies and corporations, which I asked about first, and so I appreciate you telling us about this, um, there are also small businesses who are trying to survive, small businesses who have some of the same challenges of the big the big Fortune 50s and the Fortune 500s. And so how do you, with the Minnesota Business Partnership, do you represent not just the big companies but also the smaller ones? No, the partnership just represents the big ones, but, boy, we are dependent on the smaller ones. Uh, that's for sure. Um, We work very closely with the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce. They really focus on the smaller businesses, but you're absolutely right. I think those, you know, smaller bars, the small restaurants, the little hardware stores in greater Minnesota especially, uh, they really suffered. Um, Our companies 
suffered as well, but I think the you know the small mom and pop operations took it even harder. And some of the federal money really helped them, but boy, I'm afraid we lost, as you probably know, we lost a, really, a lot of really good restaurants in town. We lost a lot of small business owners. So I, I think it's fair for you to say that they really took the brunt of, of the COVID impact for sure. But it's remarkable how many people come forward and try to do it, too. You know, it's like we never seem to have a lack of restaurants, you know, great food places, great Mm -hmm. options here in the Twin Cities, especially. I'm not sure in the state of Minnesota, but especially in Minneapolis, St. Paul uh, area and and the uh, metro. So I am excited to know that the business partnership, the Minnesota Business Partnership, is talking about this and saying what? Are they saying they're definitely ready to go back into the buildings? Yes. Yes, as soon as it's safe. You know, they, you're right that you know, Target and a few others, uh, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank initially had said they hoped to come back right after Labor Day, right? But uh, now with the Delta variant, they kind of pulled that back, and it's more up in the air. We did, we did poll our members recently and ask them, you know, have you changed your mind about bringing people back when you thought you were going to? And almost 60% said, yeah, we have. We're putting it on pause, or we're going to wait and see. They didn't say oftentimes specifically. There's a few companies who said, you know, it's not going to be till 2022 that we really bring everyone back to the office. Um, but I think, you know, hopefully the, the response to the Delta variant is what they've had in Europe, where we had a spike, but then it also came down pretty fast afterwards. Uh, and, of course, you know, the, the efforts within our companies to continue to encourage employees to be vaccinated, that's something that's going to, continue. You know, about 60% of our companies ask whether their employees are vaccinated, but it's only, it's less than 10% require it, you know, as a condition of employment. But we hope education and just good, good sense causes people to, to go ahead and get vaccinated because that will help in terms of how quickly we can bring people back to the office. Incredibly, it would help. I mean, my goodness, I I don't quite understand it yet, but I'm grateful that I'm fully vaccinated. So um, I have to say also, you you talk about the corporations and them making the decision to go back in. I know leasing has been uh, challenges for some of the smaller businesses. What are you hearing about um, any special funding for businesses in in the legislature special session next month? I think it'll be a topic that comes up. You know, right now they're, they're still wrestling with the, the $250 million that they need to figure out how to get that out to the first responders. And that's a tough one, too, to try to figure out, okay, who's, who do you, how do you divide up $250 million among nurses, police, firefighters, people who work in nursing homes, you know, over the last couple of years and who put their lives really at risk in many cases. So that's one decision they're going to have to wrestle with. The federal money that came in uh, went both to small businesses, but also to cities and counties in the state. And they still need to figure out how they're going to uh, distribute that money as well. I think some of that, hopefully, I know legislators have been focused on those small businesses for additional assistance beyond the, the initial PPP loans that went out. Right, right. There are, there are lots of businesses who need a little extra here. And I, so I'm confident that, yeah, I'm confident that will be talked about for sure. I feel for them. I don't know how they're going to pull that off. <laughs> I really don't. It's so complicated. It could take years for this to succeed. You're right. It's a very challenging time. And you know, the other thing is you said in your, in your introduction that everyone's facing is there are a ton of jobs out there. So as a lot of employers are looking to hire people, 
a lot of people are saying, well, you know what? Um, I can kind of work anywhere. So if you're going to not require that my the guy sitting next to me is vaccinated, or if you're not willing to let me work from home, you know, at least three days a week, well, you know what? I can work for not just another company here in Minnesota. I can work for a company almost anywhere in the country now with this distance, uh, the, the distance um, work that we're seeing was really developed because of the whole vaccine or because of COVID. So it's a challenge for employers, too. They can't be too tough and say, you come back five days a week, period. Because, you know, they're they're in the market right now for hiring and hiring and hiring. So they need to be flexible. And that's really what we're seeing, Geraldine, is that for most of our companies, they're adopting some kind of hybrid hybrid effort when they're people bringing people back. It's, uh, you know, three to four days a week meet with your teams on Tuesday and Wednesday, and maybe we'll have an all-company all, uh, meeting on Fridays or things like that. It's, it's never going to be the way it was before. Right. And, of course, let's talk about the restaurants again. You know, you have so many people who were in the restaurant business, whether they were servers or expo people, I mean, just whomever they were, now they're not coming back. It's so hard to get them into the restaurants. Is this a case of not being paid well? And these young people, especially Generation Z, I mean, for the first time, we have five generations of Americans trying to work together, and that's complicated in itself. So can you imagine those that look and go, why am I going back to a job in a restaurant or you know, a small business or a big business if I'm not paid a living wage? That's right. And that's a question that, that you're right. A lot of those workers are asking. And that's the kind of the, that's one of the good news stories coming out of this COVID crisis is the increase in wages because they've had to, right? They've had to raise wages because the the lack of employees is just a fact of life. And, you know, the law, law of supply and demand means, if you need people, you're going to have to pay them more. And that's been a good thing because there's a lot of talk in the past about minimum wage. Well, you know what? A lot of these companies, most of the companies I work with were well above minimum wage already. But those small businesses, too, they're having to raise wages. And you and I might have to pay a little more. But that's all right. That's all right to pay a decent wage. I agree with that. Um, last question. Why are the Minneapolis elections this fall so important to many businesses? Well, I think it's what we talked about before, that we have to make sure that public safety exists in downtown Minneapolis. And I think you and I can debate, you know, whether to defund the police that's going to be on the ballot, or we call it that or not, or the other issues on the ballot uh, are go either way. You know, our perspective is that this is not an either-or issue. There's a great, um, two great articles this morning, Geraldine, on the, on the Star Tribune talking about L.A. and Atlanta and kind of mm-hmm. how how they've dealt with this issue. And both of them, after George Floyd, came up pretty strong supporting kind of defund the police efforts. But now they're seeing with the rise in crime, they're kind of going back on that and saying, all right, we can do both. Like you said, we can deal with mental health. We can engage citizens better. We can train our officers better. We can recruit better officers. Those are things that are haven't been talked about before, but now are being talked about. So hopefully... It's not an either-or, it's an end kind of situation, both in those two communities, but here in Minneapolis, too. Isn't that the truth? Uh, Charlie Weaver, the Executive Director of the Partnership, thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure, Geraldine. Thank you. Take care. All right, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back and do weather, we'll catch up on that. But remember, we're gonna also going to take CBS updates at 31 after, that at the bottom of the um, hour, so stay tuned for that as well. 
His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It is now 720. Oh, let's make that 828 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. And, of course, our, our last interview for this hour is a So What Do You Do? And as you know, that is the time when we get to talk about um, various companies, organizations, you name it. We'll see a name somewhere on a marquee or we'll see it on a side of a van and we go, so what do they do? And I'm excited to introduce to you our guest tonight at 835. And then, of course, after that is Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We believe you ought to know about it from 9 to 10. And then our final night from 10, final hour from 10 to 11 p.m. is the Mom and Michael Hour, my favorite hour with my son all the way from L.A. We'll be back. What? What do you do? I want to know. What? What? Well, this is exciting tonight because as children are getting ready to head back to school, some alarming news about Minnesota student scores on statewide standardized tests fell precipitously in 2021. Following more than a year of distant learning and disruptions due to the COVID-19 pandemic, according to results released last week by the Minnesota Department of Education, joining us to talk about these results and what it means to our our children here in the great state of Minnesota is um, Josh Croson. He's the executive director of ED or Education Allies in Minnesota, Ed Allies in Minnesota. They partner with schools, families, and communities uh, to ensure that every young Minnesotan has access to a rigorous and engaging education. Oh my gosh, welcome Josh, because that's what we need to hear. Every young Minnesotan needs to have access to a rigorous and engaging education. Are we doing that yet? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Geraldine, for for uh, for having me on your show. Uh, have a uh, the great evening to talk about an important issue of whether or not we are providing an excellent education for all kids. And I'll just say, frankly, no, we're not. Um, Minnesota is often seen as a beacon for high quality education, but I think we're we're absolutely flipping with certain categories of students, especially students of color, uh, Black, Native, Latinx indigenous students, Asian, um, Southeast Asian students, and students with disabilities. Um, we, we, are, we are near or lowest at high school graduation rates. 
reading proficiency, math proficiency, and we have a lot of work to do to get back up to speed where we can bring our state back to where we really hope our students are, are able to achieve and, and fulfill their, their fullest potential. To be clear, we're talking about the numbers for the state of Minnesota, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Minnesota itself, the state of Minnesota, we have some of the worst or the worst high school graduation rates, reading proficiency rates, math proficiency rates for uh, for certain students, um, p- particularly students of color and indigenous students. And we have a lot of work to do to get back on track. I can imagine you are losing sleep at night. <laughs> uh, well, not as much sleep as, as our parents and our kids are losing. Um, you know, parents and grandparents and families throughout the state are, are really hoping to we national polls and local polls just came out and we asked families, what do you need? And they said, we need our families to feel safe and secure, number one. And number two, we need our kids to have an excellent education, access to an excellent education. Um, so, you know, I'm working our, at, at, at Allies. We're working really hard to make sure that we're representing the interests and views of our families and parents, particularly our families and parents of, uh, of color, low income families and parents and, and students with disabilities. Okay, so we have been dealing with this for decades. Uh, Many um, politicians or those who want to be politicians get elected. They always bring up education in Minnesota because it's a mess. That's the bottom line. Is it even possible? Do we even remember the last time we had students that were excelling at the top here in the country? Yeah, well, I, what I'll, I'll say is in some places they are. Um, we have some schools that are, that, are, that are knocking it out of the park. They're providing high-quality um, curriculum, engaging, uh, engaging students in the standards. Um, so, we have, so we have areas of, of definitely areas of hope. What we need to be doing is measuring that data, figuring out where students are excelling so we can replicate those best practices throughout the state. This is why data is so important. Data should not be used as a shame tool or a bludgeoning tool. It should be used to figure out where, where we're doing really well for kids and how we can make sure that that's happening everywhere. But you and I both know that the data can always be tainted. It's just too easy to taint it. Or, or those that the people that have the power can change those numbers to make it seem like we're better than we are. The bottom line is, if we're going to do anything about it or get better again, excel again, we have to know the truth of those numbers. Where do you stand with that, especially um, with the organization, Minnesota Comprehensive Assessments, as well? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, there we fight every single year to protect data um, in the schools. It's, it's really weird to say that, that that data on how kids are reading and learning uh, is it, we have to fight to protect that every single year. Um, the, the MCA data that just came out uh, this last week, we were fighting to make sure that students had that, that assessment available virtually. We were fighting with the Department of Education to make sure that they can provide that online so kids didn't have to come into schools risking their health, risking their family's health. And the Department of Education, frankly, just said no. Um, it, it was in the interest of, of, of certain groups of people to make it very difficult for certain kids to be able to take these assessments so that it's difficult for us to understand how our kids are doing. Um, from one school administrator that I spoke with, we don't want you to hang our underwear on a flagpole. Um, that, that is not a, 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 uh, a way to work with families, to work with students, to make sure that we, that we have a clear picture of how our kids are doing so that we can address the problems that, are, that exist in our schools. We need to work collaboratively, and right now families and students are working combatively a lot of the times with, with school leaders.
Let's talk about broadband for a moment. I don't know how to succeed uh, for our children without being able to access everything they are supposed to access. Yep. Yes, absolutely. So when when COVID happened, when it first started, um, man, it feels sometimes it feels like yesterday, and sometimes it feels like ten years ago. But um, when when it first happened, uh, we had seventeen percent of our students in Minnesota public schools without access to broadband or or, or um, high speed internet. That doesn't include the students who didn't have access to good devices. Seventeen percent of our students did not have access to learning or to school. Um, at the start of COVID. Now, I will give it to the, the Minnesota State Legislature and their increased investments in broadband, but we're definitely not where we need to be, especially if we're going to continue to provide distance learning to students. If students need distance learning or they need internet and devices, which is absolutely the case, we need to make sure that they, we invest in broadband and, have, and make sure that they have access to this. We've been talking about this even before COVID, the gap in, in, in students with, with and without access to high-speed internet and, and devices. Um, now it's even more relevant. Um, 20% of students, or 17% of students not having access to an education is an injustice for our state. Okay, so it's been about a year and a half. These students have lost so much. Where do we even begin to get them back on track, and how? Yeah, so three things that we really fight for at, at, at Allies um, is one is making sure that we're, we're distributing the resources equitably and we're sending that, centering the conversation on students. Um, we need to make sure that the students that need the most get the most. I used to work in, in healthcare policy. Um, I, I, a little bit about my background, I, I'm originally from Washington State. I went to a high school that had a 17% high school graduation rate. My mom worked a, a Herculean effort, worked Two, job, two full-time jobs, sold Avon on the side to get me to a private school that really saved my life and, and changed the direct trajectory of my life. Um, and so, and so uh, right, right now, the, my story is not unique. Um, students throughout the state of Minnesota, students throughout the country are experiencing those same types of outcomes. And we're, we're, we're placing um, our, our low expectations and, and these low results, particularly on kids of color. I'm a, I'm a, my mom's a Filipino immigrant. My dad is black. The level of melanin in our skin, the, money, the, the amount of money in our bank account should not determine whether or not we get a good education. And so, and so for, for equitable distribution of resources, we need to make sure that the students that need the most get the most because we need to believe that all students can achieve. Um, the second thing is giving parents the opportunity to have a high-quality uh, education that is engaging and that is culturally relevant. We know wealthy parents have school choice. They can pay for the best schools possible. They can pay for the best tutors possible. Families, like in my family, like in, in families throughout Minnesota, they don't have that opportunity. So what are we going to do as a state to make sure that they have the ability, the access to provide, to provide their kids the best education possible, even if they don't have the income available? And then okay. third is, is, is really making sure that school leaders and teachers are highly effective and, 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 and well-supported. We know that teachers are the number one resource for students for, their, for, for high-quality learning. Um, and what are we doing to make sure that teachers, particularly high-quality teachers and teachers of color, are getting into the classroom to make sure that students of color and, uh, and, and students who've fallen through the cracks historically are getting the best education possible with the best yep. person in front of them? 
a lot of the uh, st- uh, students of color don't see a reflection of themselves in the public schools that often. Um, so that's already a problem. Also, do you actually think our children can catch up after over a year and a half of being um, swept under the rug and way behind, so many of them don't have access to the things they want. I keep saying that because it's so important. Absolutely. So it's, I mean, it's more than a year and a half. We are, we are, you, you, you named it. We are lifetimes, we are generations of being um, underserved. Um, literacy, especially for black and brown people, has, has always been a controversial issue. Um, I honestly believe that our kids and our families can do it. We just need to make sure that our systems are designed in a way to allow our kids and families to do it. Um, okay. I, I believe that can be the case. That's why we exist, to make sure that the systems are changed to serve kids and families. Okay, so tell me how Ed Allies is making sure that this will happen. Yeah. What is your part in so, this piece? Yeah, so the three things, I think we, we do three things really well. One is we, we change the narrative. We make sure that we're, we're putting kids and families at the center of the conversation. So often when we talk about education, we talk about the adults in the room. Uh, we really need to be talking about students, specifically students of color, low-income students, and students with disabilities at the center of the conversation always. Um, and, and the second thing that we do really well is we do the research. Let's throw out everything that we know about education and start asking the questions, how can we build an education system centered on students who are from historically underserved communities? And the third thing that we do really well is we make sure that the, that the narrative change, the community organizing, the, um, the research that we do just doesn't collect dust on a shelf somewhere. What we really need to make sure is that we're enacting that through policy change, through practice change, whether that's at the state legislature, whether that's in school districts or in specific schools. Whatever we need to be doing, we need to use best practices and centering the narrative on kids uh, and enacting what we learn there. Uh, into practice. And that's you and I both know, but you and I, you, you and I both know that asking how over and over again is going <laughs> to make sure that our children don't get to where they're supposed to be. We were told nearly a decade ago, if not more, that we were going to start losing teachers. Many were going to retire. And when this pandemic hit, a lot of teachers around the country started leaving. And here in Minnesota, we definitely have, um, you know, the retention has been difficult. Uh, many are holding on, but others are thinking, I don't know if I can keep going with this. So if this is where we are, how in the world do we get jump in and say, if you do this one thing first, it's going to make all the difference for the students? What would that one you thing know, I, be? Yeah, and I really wish, I really wish there were a silver bullet. I think if we have identified a silver bullet, we'd be, we'd be there by now. I think the most important thing is yeah, the two most important things are empower families to be able to serve their kids well. Um, I think families are often seen as a burden and not seen as a collaborative uh, uh, group to work to make sure that their students are being served. Um, so, so first, allow the families to engage with schools and leaders in, in a way that allows kids to, to get a great education. And the second thing is, No, I'm going to stop you right there. I got to stop you right there because the bottom line is the parents need to be educated as well. 
right? I don't care if your child is in the first grade or third grade. It would be great if the parents had to do the work, that they knew how to do the math, that they knew how to read at a certain level. There are so many families that are just losing the ability. They, they don't even remember or they never knew, especially those that, you know, were refugees or immigrants. Um, we have had such a problem even getting the parents to understand what the homework is for the children. Yep, yep. And I would say, I would say, love those kids hardest. If the parents don't understand, love those kids hardest. And that's what I feel like that's what equity is, is uh, what, you know, I often I often say when my mom was working those two jobs and then selling Avon on the side to get me to a high quality education. So many people said your mom isn't showing up in the way that I need your mom to show up. And my mom was saying, I'm exhausted. I am showing up because I'm trying to provide an education for my kids. And, and, and it's, it's meeting parents where they are. Maybe they don't understand uh, the math or literacy issues. Maybe they do feel uncomfortable in a school. But to see them as, as adversaries or burdens is often um, uh, going, going counter to what kids need. Um, and so, so what I, what it's, more, it's, more of, it's, it's less of making sure parents know the technical and more of our education community must include and engage parents and believe that every parent wants what's best for their kids. I've never met a mom who would not walk through fire for their child. A lot of the time, they just don't know how to do that. And so giving them the tools and the resource to be able to know how they can, they sh- they can show up for their kid and not make it so that they have to walk through fire. Well, I do know of an organization who teaches children how to dance, and I'm talking the dances of the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, okay? And it's been remarkable how well these children are doing now in their education. So I wish we had more time, sir. Josh, I wish we had more time to talk about this because I have so much more to say, but we'll have to have you back on. Absolutely. Have me back on, and it's so great to chat with you, Jalen. Give, give, uh, give my great, your grandkids my best. I will. You take care. Thank you. Right, Bye. We'll be back in a moment. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. You are listening to Steele Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele, and it's been such a pleasure being here with you so far in the first two hours. And I just want to say before we have to let you go into the 9 o'clock hour, which is center stage, all things arts and entertainment, first I want to say one thing we can start doing with our children is calling them children or child. We have got to stop calling them kids. You know what a kid is? You know you do. It's a baby goat. What is the point of us encouraging our children to act out, to get frustrated, to call people out of their name, that sort of thing? Children are really frustrated today trying to figure out how to learn online, period. It has been a real challenge, and parents are hearing things from the mouths of their children. They just can't wait for them to go back to school. And now with them going back to school, we're nervous because of the variant, and we're asking our children and the parents when you come to the school to wear a mask. It's a mess. So a lot of people think there's nothing more we can do, just follow protocol and try to make it happen. But let's start with one thing. Make sure we give the children the respect that they deserve. Don't call them kids. They're not baby goats acting a fool. They're children. They are children. And that child deserves a chance. So, yes, we've got a mess in the state of Minnesota when it comes to educating. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's got to get better. What can we do? Start calling them by their names. Start calling them children or child. How about that? Sounds ridiculous. It makes a difference. It's been a pleasure, you guys. Coming up next, as I said, is center stage. And then after that is the Mom and Michael Hour for our final hour. Oh, I love that hour. We'll be back. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.